You're listening to The Bible Explorer, a podcast about the misunderstood, unusual, and little-known aspects of the Bible. My name is Matt Morton, and I'm your host. This is Episode 9, The Spirits in Prison. Well, in the book of 1 Peter, chapter 3, we have what I've always found to be one of the more intriguing and difficult passages in all of the New Testament. Um, In fact, I'm going to guess that there have been pastors who thought about preaching through the book of 1 Peter, but then they read through chapter 3 and went, "Mm, maybe I'll pick something a little bit simpler like Philippians or something like that, because uh, 1 Peter chapter 3, especially verses 18 through about verse 22, um, are a little bit seemingly weird and difficult to understand. And so I thought this would be a great opportunity to talk about that passage, um, some ways that we can interpret it, and what I think it actually means, what I think is the best understanding. Let me read the passage as we begin, and then I'm going to talk through some of the context and some of the options. So this is 1 Peter chapter 3. I'm going to start in verse 18. Peter writes, For Christ also died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust, so that he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit, in which also he went and made proclamation to the spirits now in prison, who once were disobedient when the patience of God kept waiting in the days of Noah during the construction of the ark, in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through the water. Corresponding to that, baptism now saves you, not the removal of dirt from the flesh, but an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who is at the right hand of God, having gone into heaven after angels and authorities and powers had been subjected to him. So the trickiest part of this passage is this part that talks about Jesus preaching to spirits that are in prison. And uh, the question really is, who are the spirits? When did Jesus go and talk to them? And what did he say to them? Uh, it's it's really not at all an easy passage to sort out. And then, of course, you have that bit at the end about how baptism now saves you. And it says, not a removal of dirt from the flesh, but the appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So I want to, I think where we really want to center a lot of our discussion today is first on this issue of the um, the spirits in prison. And here's here's what I want to do, like we do with every one of these unusual passages, is just give a little bit of the context. If you are familiar at all with the book of 1 Peter, you know that 1 Peter is writing to Christians who have been scattered throughout the Roman Empire, probably scattered because they have been experiencing persecution of some kind. So a lot of the book of 1 Peter is geared toward these early Christians to say, even in the face of suffering and hardship, stand firm in Jesus Christ. So especially when we get to chapter 3, pretty much everybody agrees this section, one of the things that Peter is wanting to say is that in the face of persecution and suffering, 
You don't have to be afraid. And one of the reasons you don't have to be afraid is because you know that Jesus wins in the end. Because Jesus died and rose again, because Jesus triumphed even in the face of opposition from uh, worldly authorities and opposition from the devil, because Jesus triumphed, you know that if you are with Jesus, if you're in Jesus, you will also triumph in the end. So in order to make that point, that's where we have Peter um, writing this short little section about Jesus going to speak to the spirits in prison. So we know that on some level, this is some sort of victory proclamation that Jesus made uh, to these spirits. And uh, there are probably a lot of different interpretations of this passage, but what I want to do, I want to just lay out what are the three most common ways that people understand this passage. The first major interpretation is that Jesus preached to people at the time of Noah, and he preached through Noah. That is that when Noah was building the ark, Noah as a prophet was preaching to his uh, contemporaries, to those who lived at the same time as he did, And Noah was warning them that a judgment is coming, but that if you will repent, you can be saved. You can get on the ark and you can be saved. Now, we know that nobody except for Noah's family, in fact, uh, Peter tells us eight people in all, pretty much just Noah's family, was actually saved. But the idea is that Jesus was warning people all the way back in the days of Noah and doing it through Noah, Um, which is possible, but um, the biggest challenge with understanding 1 Peter 3 that way is that it, that doesn't seem to be what's indicated uh, by the timeline of this passage. In other words, it seems like whenever Jesus is preaching in 1 Peter 3, that it's actually something that happens after his death, um, after, after his death on the cross, um, that uh, it's not something that happened way back in the days of Noah, but instead it, it says, Um, He went and made proclamation to the spirits that are in prison, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. That is, this is this probably is something that happens after Jesus' death, but before his bodily resurrection, that he's he's dead in the flesh, but he is spiritually alive. And that's when this preaching takes place. So I don't I don't think that understanding that it was simply through Noah is probably the best one. I think that also sort of stretches what it means to say that Jesus went and preached to these spirits. So uh, the second major understanding of this passage is that Jesus uh, went to hell after he died and he preached to people who lived at the time of Noah, who were disobedient at the time of Noah, who are now um, separated from God, and Jesus went and preached the gospel to those people. Um, again, that's also possible. There's a couple of challenges with that viewpoint. Um, one is the question of why would Jesus do that? Um, why would Jesus preach to people who are already dead, who already are in hell, when they're really, biblically, it doesn't seem like there's any opportunity for them to get out of hell? Um so it doesn't doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. The other challenge is that it's only very rarely in the Bible that people 
are referred to as spirits, right? Usually people aren't referred to as spirits. People have spirits, people possess spirits, but they aren't referred to as spirits. Usually um, spirits are spiritual beings, either like angels or demons, or God is referred to as a spirit, but uh, human beings who are um, body and spirit are not simply referred to usually as spirits. And so now it's possible in this case, the, the answer to that objection would be, well, once they have died and gone to hell, they are simply spirits. Um, but that would be a pretty unique way to understand that word in the Bible. It's it's really not very common at all. So that leads us to the third understanding of this passage. And the third understanding is this, that that in the day of Noah, um, and we see this from Genesis chapter 6, there were evil spirits who intermingled with human women uh, and produced offspring, produced evil offspring on the earth. And those evil offspring were responsible for the corruption of the earth. And and the idea is that Satan, through his demons, was trying to destroy what God had made, that God had made a, a world that was designed to worship him, Uh, He had made people who were designed to know and worship him. And what Satan wants to do in some supernatural way is destroy that, to corrupt mankind. And uh, you have hints, for example, in 2 Peter chapter 2, Peter indicates that there were angels who left their their proper bounds. Basically, they left their proper um, abode. Um, They sinned. You see that in Jude chapter 6 as well. Um, that there's this indication that there were angels that transgressed to the boundaries of propriety. And uh, so it seems like there's there's good evidence that what you have is there's these evil spirits who disobeyed God, all the way, these demons, basically, all the way back in the day of Noah um, by trying to destroy mankind um, and and create a new race of people that would rebel against God. Um, at the time of the flood, uh, God destroyed uh, the evil men and women on the earth, and that would include these um, this race of evil people. Um, and, and as a result, the judgment of God overcame that evil, and those demons then are placed in uh, into what we might call prison. They are awaiting a final judgment where they will be destroyed once and for all. And so it's possible that what Peter is saying here is that after Jesus died, but before he rose, he went to that prison and he proclaimed what we call good news. He proclaimed the gospel to these spirits in prison. And and the idea is not uh, so that they will believe or trust in Jesus. They're demons, right? So they're not going to believe or trust in Jesus. But instead, he proclaimed uh, his victory. In other words, he says, you tried to destroy the people that God had made, you tried to ruin the plan that God had for the world to corrupt it. And there was a judgment in the days of Noah. And you need to know that because Jesus now has totally defeated death, defeated Satan, defeated sin, the plans that Satan laid for the universe, his plans have been overturned and God's plans win. And so in a sense, Jesus is preaching his victory over the forces of darkness. I think that that understanding of the passage actually fits very well 
with what Peter is saying in 1 Peter 3. Because in 1 Peter 3, remember, the people of God are facing persecution uh, from those who don't believe in Jesus. They are suffering because there are people influenced by Satan who oppose God and who oppose the gospel. And Peter says, here's what I want you to know. Just as Jesus defeated those spirits from the days of Noah, just as he overturned Satan's plan, he will once again judge the world. And those who are opposed to God, they will be judged and they will be destroyed. So you can have confidence in the victory of Jesus, that victory that he secured at the cross and with his resurrection and that same victory that he preached to these evil spirits. And so you can be confident in the face of suffering. And then he goes on and and he's going to say, remember that God saved some people on the ark and he saved eight people in all through the ark. And he says, corresponding to that, baptism now saves you. But it's not a removal of dirt from the flesh, but an appeal to God for a good conscience. In other words, here's what I think Peter is saying. In the days of Noah, God judged evil men and women. He judged evil spirits. He provided a way of salvation. That is the ark for those who trusted in God, Noah and his family. In our day, Jesus died and rose again. He proclaimed victory over evil. And then he provides a way of salvation. But that way of salvation, uh, Peter tells us, is not physically through water. In other words, there's nothing magical about water baptism that saves us. Instead, what it is, it's an appeal to God for a good conscience, meaning we are saved through the forgiveness that is offered in Jesus Christ because he died for our sins and he rose again. So the, the vessel of our salvation now is not a physical ark through the water, but instead it's, the, the, it's Jesus Christ himself who died for us and now gives us the spirit of God to wash us clean. And so that our real baptism, our real cleansing, uh, the real removal of sin takes place through the Holy Spirit, what, what the scripture might call spiritual baptism. We are, we are identified with Jesus through the power of the spirit. So what Peter ultimately, if we pull back and look at the big picture, here's what he's saying. I know you live in a dark world, I know you live in the midst of great evil, but what I want you to remember is that Jesus overcame the world, Jesus defeated evil, and Jesus has saved you now through his death and his resurrection, and the day is coming when Jesus will return and fully and finally defeat everybody and everything opposed to God's plans and restore the world as it's meant to be. So if you are in Jesus Christ, You don't need to worry about persecution, about opposition. Instead, you stand firm in confidence, looking ahead toward the day when Jesus will return. So I think it's a beautiful passage, even though it's confusing. I think it's a wonderful passage that gives us confidence and joy in the plans that God has laid through his son, Jesus Christ. That's all that I have for today. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode, and I'll talk to you next time.